but that was the only thing he could do for them. One morning, they floated belly up in their tiny bowl. He did not replace them. He would rather read Lad, a dog, or the Jungle Book. It seemed to him that wolves might be warmer, more attentive parents. In early childhood, he had been close to his mother, but the loss of their fine home, car, furniture, status reduced her to apathy. She had talked to herself as she cleaned and cleaned their tiny, crowded apartment. Although she now complained incessantly about China, she had a houseboy and a cook, and every day she went visiting with other married Jewish ladies. Daniel's family moved into a lane house in Hongqiu, a poor, crowded, but enthralling northeastern suburb, surrounded on three sides by water. They lived there because rents and food were half the price they were in the International Settlement or Frenchtown. Their house was one of a number of similar structures thrown up in a hurry, surrounded by a wall with a gate, chilly, heated with small and smelly coal stoves. Daniel was sent to a school for American children in the International District, but school hours were not long, and he could wander the streets much of the time. He bought from a street vendor some used Chinese clothes, which he hid in the wall. With his black hair, his heavy tan, his dark eyes, he did not look Chinese, but he could pass for Manchurian. If he had wandered dressed in European clothes, wearing his watch, he would have been attacked, robbed. Finding himself in an adventure of his own devising, he bloomed with new confidence. He imagined boys from the old neighborhood envying him, Sorry they had not chosen him on their sandlot baseball teams, that even at stickball they had passed over him. The streets were jammed and glittered with huge gilded signboards, flashing neon, enormous, brightly colored murals advertising local products. He was growing fast and always hungry, but there was much to eat, all of it cheap. Noodles, filled pao, tang yuan dumplings, sweet almond broth, sweet or salty cakes salt fish and cabbage. He loved the races, the little Mongol ponies flashing past. He loved the steamers and sampans with painted eyes in the muddy harbor. At the American school, no Chinese was taught. Few of their parents spoke Chinese or understood it. Uncle Nat said it was exactly the same at the other international schools and settlements. When his uncle saw that he was interested, he arranged for Daniel to have two tutors, one for conversational Mandarin, and the other for reading and writing the characters. He studied with his two Chinese teachers far more avidly than with his teachers at the American school, because what he learned he could practice at once in the streets where he always wanted to be. The Europeans and Americans act like fools, Uncle Nat said, pointing out that the Americans would not let Chinese into their country club. There's no one in this world you can be sure of standing on. You come into someone's country and you have a chance to be safe, to lead a good life. Then you learn their customs and you speak their language, so you don't offend more than you have to. If you spit into the wind, it comes back in your face. Understand? Uncle Nat was a grizzled man, much like his father, but he stood differently, not stooped. He was sharply observant. Daniel felt more at ease with him than with his own father. Both his parents talked constantly of Haskell, piling up A's at City College. The firstborn, the good son. Shanghai was crowded, four million Chinese plus a hundred thousand foreigners with modern skyscrapers, stylish Sikhs on little cement pedestals directing traffic, five universities, numerous scholarly and scientific institutions, 
fancy hotels and exclusive private clubs, but for most Chinese there was poverty and a fast or slow death. In the mornings, corpses lay in the street as he went to school. Everywhere, maimed beggars shook their cans. Shanghai was seething with disease, as well as political unrest and assassinations. He watched prisoners beheaded and garroted for political or ordinary crimes, public executions where he stood in the crowd, staring astonished at how casually life ended, but taking care to look as blank as everybody else to avoid trouble. Then he caught a strain of paratyphoid that featured intestinal cramps so powerful that he could see them rippling his belly as he lay panting in high fever. After that initial fierce attack, it came back every month. Then he seemed to outgrow it. He went on eating from booths and street vendors. He shot up to six feet. At 16, he bought his first sexual experience in the Kiang.